0: On you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Well, this program, listeners, is for you, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom. Your freedom. Where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Greg Brannon from Cary, North Carolina. Dr. Brannon is one of North Carolina's leading voices on health care. He launched the organization Founders Truth in 2009 with the simple intent of galvanizing ordinary Americans to return our country to its founding Constitutional principles. Now, Dr. Brannon, uh, this, he is a very special, very special person. He's had an incredible life. He was born in a working class neighborhood in south central Los Angeles. He was raised with his brother by a single mom who set an example of hard work and determination. Uh, he is a devoted husband and a father of six. His wife, Jody Brannon, they've been married for 23 years. And to his credit, he has traveled the globe on Christian and medical missions in Africa, Central America, and Asia, and he is strongly committed to the sanctity of life. By way of history, Dr. Brannon earned his bachelor's degree at the University of South Carolina, uh, pardon me, Southern California, and his MD degree from Chicago Medical School. He is an obstetrician-gynecologist. He practices in Cary, North Carolina. I also want to tell you that he's an entrepreneur. He has started his practice from the ground up. But most importantly, Dr. Brannan is committed to ensuring the American dream that he is living. He wants to be sure that it will be available to future generations of Americans. And his organization, Founders Truth, is the portal to effectively and humbly communicate our founders' message that built the most successful and generous and righteous nation on earth. Dr. Greg Brannon, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you with me today, uh, and we're going to be discussing a variety of issues. So let's get right to it. What do you think, Dr. Brannon, our founders believed when they wrote the Constitution and formed our federal government?
2: Well, I'll get to that. Secondly, I just want to thank you for that nice introduction and uh, kindness you've done to allow you know, to show with you. And I'd like to join the battle you've been doing. You've been fighting for years, the, un- the understanding that this country was the first and only country ever devoted to the individual over the collective, and our Constitution is supposed to do that. Um, the interesting thing is the reason why we have a Constitution fixed and written is that it will hold the legislators, the executive judicial, accountable to the written word. Our founders are clear on that. They wanted something written that would not be implied or elastic or expanded, it was the idea of this compact between these individual sovereign states to allow the federal government to have a certain enumerated functions and that is it all in the process of this dual federalism to to protect the true sovereign the individual
1: that's really such an important concept because the true sovereign in our country our country was supposed to be the individual Ayn Rand as you well know believes that the individual is, in fact, the smallest minority on Earth. And she's right about that, and our founders understood that, didn't they?
2: Oh, yes, sir. The thing about this idea, you go back to or we go back to our constitution, but the first, I'll say, nullification document, the first uh, written uh, to actually excuse the John Lockean view, is Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. The second paragraph, to me, must never, ever be forgotten. That we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, meaning they can never be taken or given by anybody. They're given by God to us or by nature's God. Now, those rights are only protected by a legitimate government who gets its power legitimately from the consent of the governed. Otherwise, a government that infringes upon those inalienable rights is therefore illegitimate. And then Jefferson lists 29 things that, that King George is doing against us. And that is a process we've we've lost. We're completely ignorant of our past. We do not understand the idea of constitutionalism. We do not understand the idea of sovereign. We believe we're all serfs and must bend down to the D.C. master, and that is the antithesis of what our founders fought and died for.
1: You know, you mentioned one of the most important concepts that I know our founders, who were all devout believers, uh, they understood that they were talking about natural law rights. Natural law rights are ours by dint of our humanity. They come directly from God. They do not come from a government. A government is not there to give us these rights. These rights are ours because we are human, because God gave us those rights. And the key to that is that natural law rights impose no obligation on any other person. Sir, sure,
2: that is perfect. I mean that you're just you're collecting you know articulating you know Blackstone and Locke correctly. I mean John Locke was the the philosopher behind our government foundation. He says the true role of a government, the only role of a government is protect one's property, and he goes on the most important property is one's person that means your body, your mind, and therefore they're articulated in Blackstone's commentaries of English law in seventeen i think uh, seventy four seventy five he wrote He goes through that, that the basic natural law, there are three of them as a person, personal security, personal liberty, and personal property. And therefore, a government is based upon, is a tool for the individual. It's not the master of the individual. And that is where we've become completely, again, 180 of where it is. Uh, A republic is a rule of law, not a rule of men. And that, is stri- and that is so clear because when you look at uh, one of our great founding fathers of North Carolina, James Iredell, who was a Federalist who wanted the Constitution, he articulate and actually was so highly re- thought of. George Washington has one of the first uh, one of the first Supreme Court justices, uh, was very clear saying that the federal government is enumerated. The federal government's powers are there. If the legislative branch ever usurps its powers, anything they do is extra constitutional. It would become null and void. They were clear to be held to the written law.
1: Well, you know, you've touched on property, and of course that is one of the key issues that I have been dealing with on Dr. Down's Freedom Forum, uh, because private property, the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Now, Jefferson understood that very well, and he wanted to put... In the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and property, because he understood that concept.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 is actually verbatim from Locke. He took that, and actually, I was reading the notes of the of the of the uh, Declaration of the committee style of five with Adams, uh, Livingston, um, uh, Franklin himself and I think James Wilson was on the Committee of Style, and they thought pursuit of happiness, which they actually took from, believe it or not, the Mecklenburg County, actually wrote a declaration in the early 1770s on the same thing, Thought that pursuit of happiness would encompass the whole idea of one's property, the accumulation of it, the possible losing of it, in the sense of it with free trade, the idea of your whole... I use it as the American dream. The pursuit of your dream, Dr. Dan, or my dream, Greg, is that is what they're talking about. And the more that I... So the philosophy of John Locke, they got to that point, it's, it becomes clear. We're made in the image of God. God bestowed upon us to, to go out there and, again, an equal, an equal opportunity at the beginning, not equal ends. An equal ends is human, humanism, Marxism, communism. That is not what it does. The idea of this great country was they came around the, around the world to here to have their piece of property, their land to make their dream. That is crucial.
1: And Jefferson, of course, and and Locke all understood that your property was not just your land and your home and your possessions. It was the work of your hands, Mm -hmm. the inventions of your brain, and as you correctly pointed out, your life itself. Because that is the the entirety of your property, and that's what our Constitution uh, was designed to protect at all costs.
2: Yeah, that's actually very interesting, sir. Because you look at the Article One, Section Eight, Clause Three about no direct tax on the individual, and you tie that back to Jefferson. Jefferson, in his first inaugural, said very clearly, "You'll never take the bread out of the mouth of the labor, ever." That's why income taxes were, were a was uh, never even thought of being a possibility because that was something so, uh, so, so uh, you know, completely not even thought on the process. But when they did discuss direct income tax. A guy named um, Brutus, a pseudonym Brutus, was Robert Yates. He wrote in the Anti-Federal's papers concerning income taxes. He said, if we ever do have that kind of federal power of income tax, we'll end up having armed federal agents coming to your house and taking your property from you.
1: Well, the, the other point about, about an income tax is that you are really taxing the productivity which is part of your property. So if you are forced to work for the benefit of another, which is what income tax is, you are a slave. A slave, completely. Completely. And, you know, to me, slavery, uh, I mean, freedom is an absolute. I mean, either you're free or you're not free. There's no such thing to me as being 80% free because that means if you're 80% free, if you're only 80% free, that means you're 20% of a slave. And our founders said, no way. No, that is why there's no income tax in the Constitution. Well, you look at this
2: really clearly, sir. It took the 16th Amendment to do this. They did not even eliminate um, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. They said for, we're not going to count that. But let's go back a little further on this idea. I, I was always wondering, what was the complete in, uh, uh, tax burden... That, that, you know, Patrick Henry said, I'd rather die, give me liberty, or give me death. What was the tax burden on the colonials in 1770s? It was less than 1%. Less than 1%. And we sit here today, hoping we get to keep 30%, 35% of our labor. That is, that is not serfdom. You're correct, sir. That is slavery. And we sit around thinking that is okay. That's what we have to understand about property. And uh, this uh, thing blows my mind. We are here fighting over our Bill of Rights. And again, the Bill of Rights are not rights given to us by the government. They are negative laws that the, that the federal government cannot infringe upon us. It's not rights. It's just states. You cannot do these things. And think about that. We're fighting for those rights in this country today. And all ten of Karl Marx's manifesto planks are now law in our land today. And I want to correlate two of them. Number one, the abolition of private property. Think about it in this state. Ad valorem taxes, property taxes, repetitively on your property every single year means you don't own your property. You have the privilege of paying the government to live there. They take those ad valorem taxes to pay for Karl Marx's 10th plank government schools. How, How do we sit and take this in what this country is founded upon. The only way I do, and I know about it, is because we've been brainwashed and ignorant the last hundred years because we've we've allowed the other people to educate ourselves.
1: Well, that again just demonstrates over and over again how important private property is in all of its in all of its iterations and all of its forms. And that's why you know the Karl Marx's uh, uh, ideas about private property. He was asked if. Communism and socialism is to ex- to succeed on a worldwide basis. What is the one thing you need? And his answer was the abolition of private property. That's it right. was so important to him because he understood that is what gives you your freedom, that ability to have that property that the government cannot take away from you on an arbitrary basis. Because really? once they do, you are then a slave to someone. Right. And
2: that's a, that's a very, you know, we have two revolutions in the 1770s and 1780s that the world can look back upon. We had one in America based upon the individual over the collective, based upon, you know, uh, you, know you look at when you read John Locke's treatise, the first book he wrote, he goes back to Genesis to articulate why in book two that um, the government's supposed to be paid to protect the individual. So you have the, the Lockean view, the Judeo-Christian view of individual over the collective, and that led to America hundred you know, ten years after our revolution, you had the French Revolution based upon the general will, the collective of the individual. One led to freedom, one led to the guillotine. It is so clear and distinct the collective, central planning top down destroys the individual. That is Plato's Republic. That is not what America was founded upon. America was a clean slate, a new idea of how do we actually put the pinnacle of God's creation, the man, at the center of this. And that is our, our idea, that the individual, the good of it, the bad of it. The thing about the central, line, the central top-down planners is they don't realize that in true freedom of choice, the true freedom of laissez-faire economics, the true freedom of choice of association, that leads to the the least poverty, the least uh, uh, of us being hurt, because as the collective will go, because the individual supersedes, that makes America great, not the top-down. And the thunderbolt be the most of the top-down people is they always exempt themselves.
1: Well, of course. I mean, that's what elitism is. Yes, that sir. That means we're better than you are. That's why we get the privileges and you don't. And that's why, to me, socialism only works, if it ever works, at a subsistence level. If everyone drives a Volkswagen, then that's pretty easy. But once you introduce the first BMW, that's when the problem arises. because who's going to get the BMW? Right. I want to go back to one point, though and this is really important to me, and I know it's important to you, and that is this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. It does go back to the Bible. It goes back to the Ten Commandments. Property rights are an integral part of the Ten Commandments. Obviously, thou shalt not steal, but how about thou shalt not covet? Because if you covet another person's property, the next step is you steal it. If you bear false witness, and thou shalt not bear false witness— you will or you have the potential for stealing time, life, or property from another individual. And obviously thou shalt not kill the ultimate theft of a person's property. I'm sure the Ten Commandments were on the mind of our founders when they wrote the Bill of Rights, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, and when they wrote the Constitution, because these moral values are an integral part of our society and of our legal structure.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, uh, my, you know, you just, you know, John Adams is right there, You know, with a without moral virtue, a republic cannot stand. Uh, on private property, uh, Washington actually says that. He, he goes, the Decalogue of God himself and his word states, thou shalt not steal. Now, myself, being a born-again Christian, it's very clear when we talk about Judeo-Christian principles, I'm not talking about a theocracy or talking about I want the government to be a certain denomination. No, far from it. Far from it. But the core principles of, of who our country is, is laid out clearly in a Judeo-Christian principles, which allows the Muslim, the Jewish person, the atheist, come and be who you are, because these rules are universal. That's the thing that people miss, is come as you are, but the only place in the world you have the opportunity to be who you are, without any pressure from a church state, is our country. And now you know, we have the... Re-
1: go yes, ahead. Sir. Well, no, the, the point I was, I was going to make is that that's really a key point. These people who harp on religion, instead of, Instead of discussing morals, Mm -hmm. because it's the moral character that comes from Judeo-Christian principles and the Ten Commandments. That's what we're talking about. That's what this country was founded on. It was not founded on a specific set of rights or rules or what you get with religion. It came down to the moral character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an interesting thing about that. When you talk about morals and how important morals are, in the beginning of this country, when people were moral and virtuous and upstanding, when you went to the butcher and you bought a pound of meat and you specified, I want this cut and I want a pound of it, he gave you exactly what you asked for. You didn't have to question him because we were guided at that point by morals. What happened as we started to lose our moral basis and you could not necessarily trust the butcher to give you what you asked for, especially if you weren't standing there looking over his shoulder. That's when the need for government intervention started. Then they started looking to, oh my God, the morals aren't here. Someone has got to stand up for us. And that's where we started going down that slippery slope where we need, we were requesting big government, bigger and bigger and bigger government because we could not trust our fellow citizens.
2: And that concludes this very special three-part episode of this very exclusive interview with Dr. Greg Brandon. Make sure you tune in next week for part two. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property. That cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
0: And call them Muddy Waters. And people, I just love to hear that old man sing. Wait. Yeah, when I play the Hoochie Coochie Man.
1: I get joy in everything. 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 Everything gonna be all right this morning.